welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 28. I'm Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. If you have been listening, thank you so much for coming back to listen and for supporting the show. If you have been enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend, share, rate, review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That really does help people to find the show. Um, and again, I say it every week, but I'm so thankful to everyone who has reached out, all your messages and emails. I love hearing from you guys. I feel like this week, especially, I've heard from quite a few parents who are early on in the process. And I know just how daunting that can feel when you are seeking a diagnosis. Um, and just know that I'm right there with you. And I have been in your shoes and I know what it's like to wonder what it looks like on the other side. And I got to tell you, it's it's not so bad over here <laughs> on the other side. Um, yes, but again, thank you so much to everyone who, who has reached out and who's enjoying the show. Um, today, I have a really awesome episode. I am talking with a fellow autism mama. Her name is Brittany. You may know her from her Instagram account and Facebook as the Unapologetic Autistic. And the really amazing thing about Brittany is that not only is she an autism mama who has two little ones on the spectrum, but she herself is autistic. And she talks all about her journey through her children, which kind of led her to seek her own diagnosis. So it wasn't until she was, you know, a, a full adult that she even really went went seeking for the the diagnosis, which is so interesting. And her perspective as someone who is on the spectrum and then also as a parent with two children on the spectrum uh, it was just so interesting to me, and her her journey and her story is is really incredible. So, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Brittany. Brittany, yes, we <laughs> finally got it! Yay! That was so great. <laughs> oh my gosh! Thank goodness. Okay, so Brittany and I have a little technical difficulty, but we're good now. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It really is an honor. Oh, you're so sweet. Well, thank you. It's an honor to have you. Um, we were chatting a little before we started recording, and I was saying that you are actually the first person that I have on that is also on the spectrum herself, which I'm very excited to hear all about your journey personally. And then also you were saying that you have two children also on the spectrum. So yeah. the beautifully neurodiverse family. I know. <laughs> we are fun. <laughs> well, what I, uh, Brittany and I connected on, on Instagram and what I, what initially drew me to you was all your posts are really fun and funny <laughs> and <laughs> definitely also like very, you, you have like your, your more kind of, you know, serious and all the, the inspirational posts, which I love that too. But I, I personally like to just take more of like a fun approach to things. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So when I saw that you had that same kind of mindset, I was like, Oh, this is my girl. <laughs> because just it's like, here. yeah, it's a serious topic, but it's also just life. So it's like, you, you gotta laugh. Yeah. If you can't laugh, like, what do you have? Yeah, totally agree with that. Awesome. Okay. So like I was saying before, if you want to maybe go back to like your childhood or just whenever it was that you kind of maybe started okay. to realize that you were 
maybe a little yeah. bit different. Okay. No, definitely. Um, I'll just dive right in. Please. I'm I'm 31, and I I truly I I honestly think that um, the self realization that I was autistic did not come until after my children were diagnosed. Um, so it's a little bit of a, a unique story. Um, I, I, I can honestly say I, I truly think I found myself and my diagnosis through my children's diagnosis. That's amazing. So that that kind of makes sense. Um, so I knew, I think I always knew I was a little bit different. Um, I was very into art and theater and acting and drawing. And I think... I think for girls on the spectrum, um, we, we are a little bit different than boys. And so when I was growing up, I had two older sisters and, um, it was very easy for me to just kind of follow along and play along. And my sisters were so close in age to me that I kind of just mimicked everything that they did. And, um, I used my acting ability to kind of like fake it till you make it. And I always knew that I was different, but I just truly don't think I knew how different my brain was until I realized that my children were so different. Mm -hmm. So it was definitely like a long, lengthy 30 some years to me, like finding out, (laughs) my goodness, I'm, I really am different. And it, it kind of explained and justified and validated a lot of experiences that I had had that were just different or strange or odd, or they just didn't quite flow like everyone else's situations did um when I was little I I was really really good at drawing and you know I had a discussion with my mother the other day and she had said you know when you were a little girl you used to say mommy I see in pictures and then you know I watched Temple Grandin speak this might have been four or five years ago and um that's one of the first things that she said you know I, I see in pictures and I see in categories and I was like oh my god like I really <laughs> am completely different than everyone else and I am not neurotypical I am autistic and and it kind of explained why my children were autistic and why I truly didn't see anything wrong with their behaviors in the beginning because they were just like me mm-hmm. and so I think I always knew I was different and um you know, autistic children who grow into adults, they have, you know, special interests or obsessions or OCDs and behaviors. And for me, it was makeup and collecting dolls and liking theater pieces. And and so I guess for, for a young girl, that doesn't seem too out of the norm, like maybe per se, you know, your average, you know, autistic child that may rock back and forth or have headphones or but for a little girl it was like I just flew right under the radar I just seemed so typical for what my obsessions were and you know I had a lot of food aversions as a child and and I still really struggle with that as an adult um and for me it was I was always eating chicken nuggets and french fries so my mom thought (laughs) oh she's a child she loves chicken nuggets and french fries what could be you know wrong with that Mm -hmm. so now that like we look back and, you know, my mother and I have these discussions and she's like, now that I realize everything that I've learned through getting all of these diagnoses is that everything that I did as a small child was like picture book, female autism. It's just, 
I just was so good at acting. <laughs> yeah. I really, I really did the whole mimic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, some, some parents, I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the term. You might be if you're in this beautiful autism world, but mm-hmm. I, I have echolalia. Yes. And mm-hmm. for me, my echolalia was used in a way that I learned how to speak through watching movies and television. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't have smartphones 30 years ago. So we just we just had regular TV and VHS movies. And um, I would watch the same movie over and over and over again. And then I would learn all the lines and all the lyrics. And, and I guess for, you know, parents back then, they would have thought, oh, that's just the little girl loving her movie, you know. <laughs> but it was really like full on stemming behavior of me as a child and learning how to feel comfortable in my own skin and then mm-hmm. repeating the movie lines. And then that was like almost like a verbal stemming for me. Yeah. Now, I had no idea that's what I was doing, you know? Right. But now that I look back as an adult, I'm like, Oh my God, you know, my kid's in his room. He's got his iPad. He's listening. He's following along. And he's like in the best mood ever because he's in his little STEMI world. And <laughs> I look back and I'm like, you know what? I did the exact same thing, you know? So there, there's no doubt in my mind, hundred percent that, you know, I kind of know it with every fiber of my being that I am hundred percent an autistic person. Now I am still in the process of getting my diagnosis. That, and, and what is that, that is like? a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say is what is that like for, for an adult getting a diagnosis? You, you have to become very, very close with your therapist. And mm-hmm. it's usually a psychologist who can divulge, you know, it's basically like they do this long in-depth, you know, process that takes years of them basically sitting down like we are and then me piece by piece detailing my childhood and and things that have happened. So when you get the diagnosis as an adult, it has to be so incredibly thorough that it takes years to get that clinical response of that Mm -hmm. paper that says, hey, you know, you have ASD, autism spectrum disorder, or whatever it is, you know, for adults, they just don't give it to you right away. <laughs> so we're still like in the process of, of going through all of my life experiences to kind of add up to mm-hmm. the diagnosis now, because like with children, um, like my children were both so little, but they had such strong signs of autism that it was very easy. We went a few times, we got the diagnosis And it was like, boom, 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 we were done. But for adults, it is a very, very long process. Um, You know, I've come in contact with a lot of people through my Instagram page. And, you know, I've had a lot of adults who are in their 20s and 30s, some in their 40s and 50s. And they come to me and they say, you know, I, I always felt different. I knew I was different. And, you know, I found your page and after talking with you, it's like they get the realization that, you know what, maybe they are autistic as well. And they were just never diagnosed. They, you mm-hmm. know, they were really good at the acting and really good at theater. And, and a lot of times, um, you know, higher functioning autistics, um, they're just so incredibly smart mm-hmm. and, you know, they have degrees and some are doctors or nurses and, teachers and philosophers it's just I guess years ago um they really just always assumed that if you were on the spectrum that maybe you couldn't possibly be so smart you know Mm -hmm. so 
it, it, it is like a double-edged sword. I've, I've found my tribe. I know that I'm autistic, <laughs> but I also get a lot of, you couldn't be autistic or you don't look autistic or, you know, how is that possible? So it is a challenge, you know, I, I think it's an honor to be the first autistic to come talk on your page. <laughs> Yay! I, I'm so honored to have you. Um, and, and listening different. to, yes, for sure. Um, listening to you kind of talking about like looking back, like things that were maybe science. It's so interesting because I, first of all, I'm 33. So I'm close in age to you. Yeah. I, I did so many similar things to what you're talking about. I love theater. I love makeup. I love watching all my yeah. movies, like learning lines from my shows. I, I am like completely neurotypical. So I can totally see how, like you said, you kind of blew under the radar. Cause it was like, yep. All those things you're describing, like, yes, they, they could le- lend themselves, you know, to an autism diagnosis, but it also was, like you said, you had your interests and mm-hmm. it didn't seem out of the norm to anybody. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's not, it's very different because it's not like a young autistic child. Like my son loves to line up trains and cars. Mm-hmm. Like that is so completely apparent to a doctor that, okay, this child, you know, might have autism, but a little girl with her makeup is, is just right under the radar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then just because we did talk about echolalia, but I wanted you to maybe explain to people who are not as familiar with that, okay. term, like what exactly that means. Okay. So echolalia is, I guess that legal or document, you know, term for a child who repeats, um, verbal language. Um, but I truly think that echolalia goes, as far as repeating everything, mm-hmm. like as a person with it, um, doctors will tell you, oh, it's just words that they repeat, but not really, because I, I truly think that echolalia is basically like a little echo. And mm-hmm. um, a child will sometimes repeat what an adult says without really knowing exactly what it is. It's just kind of like they hear it, they repeat it. And um, as I grew up, I did the same thing. I heard things, I repeated it. I heard things, I repeated it. And then when I got older and I learned that I could kind of plug certain phrases in certain spots of communication because autistics really do struggle with, you know, social communication. Um, They struggle with how to fit in with a social group. They struggle with, you know, interrupting people, not knowing when to start or finish the conversation. So I knew that I struggled with that as a child because I saw how other people around me and my two older sisters were just like flying through social situations with, you know, beautiful rainbow colors. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. This is like, this is like a physics question on the math board and I'm still in algebra. You know, it's it's just, I had no way of navigating. So my echolalia, my echo was kind of my way of my finding my voice, I guess you could say, um, you know, it can be as little as, you know, my child, sometimes she'll follow me around and I'll, I'll be on my cell phone talking with someone and then she'll repeat the whole phrase that I said. Now, she doesn't necessarily know where that's fitted at. She doesn't, she's just saying it. It's, it's, it's almost just like a little tiny baby echo. Um, but then when I got older in my teen years, I used my ability to remember phrasing and use it to socialize. I saw, okay, my sister said, hello. Okay, I say hello. You know, you shake someone's mm-hmm. hand, my contact. It was like 
almost like my echolalia and my echo was used to basically create and form friendships and in social situations. So um, as an autistic person and having children who have, you know, echolalia and I have it as well. um, It's just, honestly, I, I think it's a gift. I think that to have echolalia will benefit you so much if you're on the autism spectrum because you then can apply what I like to call the loop <laughs> because <laughs> it just kind of plays in your mind. Like um, echolalia can sometimes get the best of you because it's almost like, you know, when your alarm goes off in the morning and you're like, oh God, I don't want to hear that again. <laughs> if you have echolalia, sometimes as an adult, you'll hear a sound or you'll see something and the loop will kind of play in your brain almost like, like if a CD skipped and it just gave you like three seconds of the clip. Mm-hmm. So it is a challenge for some to have echolalia. It is a struggle. It's not something that goes away. Your brain will forever echo everything you hear. Um, but I was able to use it for my benefit. And I used it to learn how to speak with people my age and how to socialize. And sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't. And then if it worked, it was in my rule book for life. And it was like, all right, I can kind of navigate the situation. So if your child does get that echo, echolalia with their autism spectrum diagnosis, it's, it's actually a benefit, I truly believe. That's, it's so interesting to hear you describe it that way because it, it does seem like it would be helpful to, like you said, to, to kind of use that to like, as a tool to make you feel more comfortable yes. in these social situations, because I do think sometimes it's, it's looked on like, you know, it's a bad thing. Yes. Um, like a, a bad trait of, of autism. It's funny. Cause my son, Logan, he definitely does echolalia, but he's, he's not, he's still basically nonverbal. He does have some words and he has like a couple phrases and he's improving all the time. Yes. Um, but from the time he was like a baby, it would just be more like certain sounds that he would make. Mm-hmm. And we were always like, oh, that's so cute. It's baby talk. But it was like very repetitive, like that yes. like over and over. And so kind of like how you were saying, like looking back, you see all these signs. And I mean, we were we were pretty sure early on that, that he was going to be on the spectrum. But like looking back even more so, there's so many more signs that we even missed that we yes. were like oh this is just like a cute little baby thing like I've talked about mm-hmm. before he, he loves to jump and he still loves to jump I mean like he's a jumping bean like does not stop <laughs> and as soon as Mine he too. realized yes as soon as he realized that he could stand up in his crib and hold on to the side and use it like a trampoline that was all he did yeah and thought, oh my gosh this is so cute he loves to jump we didn't realize like oh he's trying to you know like give himself that input to self-regulate yes. we just yes. thought he's a baby. He likes to jump, but it's, it's so funny when you look back at things now, you know, with a different pair of eyes and you just see oh, it. It's amazing. It really is. It is. Um, thank you for explaining that. Then, okay. So then tell me like with your, how old are your kids? Now my little one, she is three. She will be four in July. And then my son, he is going to be six in March. Okay. So he's almost this, my, my Logan just turned six in December. So they're yes. close to age. So when, when did you start to notice, um, you know, any kind of like signs with them or that you might be, were, were concerned? 
I think with my son, it was probably in the first year, you know, they give you those little checklists at the doctor's office and they say, your child should be meeting this milestone and that milestone. And I, and I started to notice that he really wasn't meeting much of any milestone and he stayed very infantile for quite a few years. And I think that's, you know, within probably within the first year to 18 months, we really noticed that his eye contact was different and his posture was different. And, you know, my mother had said something to me, you know, cause when you have your first baby, you're like, Oh, they're so perfect. Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing wrong. And Oh my goodness. They're just like me. So for me, I, I don't think I noticed at first. I truly think that my mother, you know, she kept her eyes wide open and was like, you know, I, I love you dearly and I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I think maybe we should get them looked at. And, I was just thankful because she had validated some of my concerns that I wasn't sharing, you know, Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, my baby's not meeting this or that or this or that, but it was just like the beginning of a long road, you know? Yeah. So I noticed young with my son. Now with my daughter, I didn't see any signs with her until she was closer to maybe like two and a half. Mm -hmm. She was, kind of like how I was just your typically happy, very active, little functioning child. And we really didn't notice that, you know, she had any issues until she started realizing her social situations were like, were like meltdown worthy. It was every time there was a new face in the room, if somebody would come over, if we would go out, if someone would look at her and make eye contact, she was just in tears, shaking, sad, scared. And it was just, it was heartbreaking. So we knew then that she had some really intense anxieties that were brought on by social situations. And then that's when I was like, okay, that's me right there. (laughs) Small child. So her diagnosis was a couple of trips uh, to the doctors where my son, it was like, they met him for 90 minutes and they were like, okay, your son has autism. It was classic autism with him. Yes. Yes, okay. my son is completely nonverbal. Um, he does make noise and he loves to sing, but there's no real words that come out. Um, we are using the PEC system at school and sign Us language too. at home. And like, you know, just like how you guys are doing, I'm sure it's like you do everything and anything for your little baby and you just try everything yeah. new and it's like trial and error over and over yes. and over again. That's so true. That's so, it, it's so much. I always have people reach out to me through the podcast and they're saying like, you know, what, what did you do with this and how did you handle that? And I'm like, I can tell you what we did, but it's so different for every kid. And unfortunately it really is trial and error. You really do have to try something and say, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. Okay. That worked a little bit. And it's just like, everything is like a a slow process because you're just figuring Mm -hmm. it out. Yeah. It's definitely like, one of the longest, wildest roads I've ever been on. Oh my gosh, for sure. And it's it's only going to get longer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do agree that there are many people that will ask me what I do. And, and, and I feel the same way that you do, that it, it's, you can give them your opinion on what worked for your child. But when they say that every child with autism is completely different, they are right about that, yeah. you know? And, mm-hmm. and every adult autistic that I've spoken to, you know, um, whether they're more severe on the spectrum or not, they they are also completely different mm-hmm. that there really is no way to compare any two cases right so it is a lot of trial and error and and i and i can honestly say that i i truly think that 
you know, it is harder for autistic parents, like parents of children on the spectrum at first, because, you know, you're a new parent and you're like, wow, I'm getting no sleep and my little baby just wants to eat and snuggle me. And then you're like, boom, thrown into autism and then boom, everybody's opinion and boom, it was this, it was that. So I definitely, I definitely show some love for the parents of children (laughs) on the spectrum out there because it's, it's not an easy road and it's challenging and sometimes it's sad and hard, Mm -hmm. but then other times it's like beautiful. Oh, totally. My, my children are just like the greatest thing that could have ever happened to me. And, and when my son got that diagnosis, it was almost like, I felt like the floor dropped out from underneath me because (laughs) I had no idea that I was too on the spectrum. And like, I just think that this community is beautiful and unique and diverse. And I'm honored to be a part of it. You know, I'm kind of bummed that it took me 30 years (laughs) to figure out where I fit in life because this tribe of souls is just so incredibly sweet and kind. And I'm honored. Oh, I I love to hear you say it like that. And I completely agree with you. I think it's come up before where I've said that, you know, people on the spectrum, I feel like they are some of the most genuine people that you will ever meet because they are just like your, your Instagram name. They're unapologetic because that's, they're, they're who they are because that's all they know how to be. And it's like such a, like when I see my son or other children with autism, and, and just like when it's when there's joy, it is such pure joy. It is yeah, like beautiful. Yes, and watch it is and live so, alongside. It's it's just so incredible to witness that. And and then on the flip side, when when it's hard and it's it's sad, it's heartbreaking. It's like yeah, there's mm-hmm. such like extreme kind of highs and lows. Like as you're saying, you know, as, as a parent, I feel like it's so it's so important to to look at all the the, like you said the beauty in this journey because obviously yeah like it's it's difficult especially the beginning like you said the, the floor dropped out from underneath you yeah yep. especially in the beginning like you you're just trying to find your footing yeah and then you kind of start to realize like oh you know we're, we're doing it we're we're living our life and it's happening all around us so it's like then it's not it's not quite as scary but it definitely it takes some it takes some time to to navigate everything Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it helps to find people that know what you're going through. That's, that's yeah. a big tip for the people listening, you know, find, find a group of people who are really open and willing to accept you and your child and accept that sometimes things don't go perfectly as planned. And, mm-hmm. you know, your, your idea of Pinterest party might not even work for this little baby, <laughs> you know, it's just like, you, yeah, if you can find a group of people to be supportive and no matter what you go through, that is absolutely the best. I totally agree. That's pretty much the main reason why I started this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You need to find a tribe of, of good souls that, that understand what you're going through and can relate. And they're yeah. just like you say, non-judgmental. Like it's, you really need that in this world. Absolutely. Well, even like how we were saying, like you can tell someone your experience and it doesn't mean it's going to work for you, but at the same time, it's just nice to hear somebody else's experience because they're, they're in the same world that you are and they can, they can relate to, and they can understand it in a way that, you know, your other friends and family who aren't experiencing the same things just can't really, they don't really get it on that same level. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's actually a discussion that, you know, I have with my group of, you know, supportive people all the time that um, unless you're really like living in it, mm-hmm. it's it's not really something that people know or yeah. can oh. even quite understand. It, that's so true. I was just talking to my sister last week and we were talking about um, potty training because my son, he's in the process of potty training and he's, he's doing amazing. We've come yeah. really, really far. Um, and she was telling me, she's like, I just feel like kind of uncomfortable with the whole topic of, of potty training. And I'm like, you know, I get it. And it probably is uncomfortable for some people, but at the same time, like this is a reality that we are yeah, dealing with living in and that, you know, like millions of other people are, are, are living too. So it's like, I think it's, it's, it might be difficult sometimes, but it's like, you kind of have to share the good and the bad if you're going to be real and authentic because like this is our life this is this yep. is what we're doing and I I I it's it's scary to be so vulnerable but at the same time like I know how how I felt when I was like early on in the process and I so badly just wanted to hear from anybody <laughs> yeah know, like what's what is going on like what does the future look like and there we still have you know so many questions but I feel like if I can just, you know, help in that little small way, like I'm, I'm happy to do that, but it's definitely, it's hard for people to understand who are not in it. Yep. hundred percent agree with you on that. (laughs) Well, you get it. You get, you're my people. Yeah. Right. Right. Find your tribe. Yes, absolutely. Um, well, I just feel like you have so many such wisdom because you, you look oh, at it. You. Yeah. I mean, not only from, you know, the, the, as a parent with children with autism and especially having two children on the spectrum that yeah. gives you such insight, but then as an autistic person yourself, it's just like layer upon layer, which is why you're, you're just such an inspiration. Oh, thank you. Yes, thank you. absolutely. It's definitely, um, I definitely knew early on that my story was a little bit different than some. Mm-hmm. Um, because usually you'll, you'll meet parents who have children on the spectrum and, and they're not, they're neurotypical. So mm-hmm. it is it is a completely different world to enter. Um, my mind is like a large computer screen with 20 tabs open <laughs> and there's music playing somewhere and I can't seem to stop the loop, you know, so... <laughs> For me, it is really easy to relate when my children have a meltdown or mm-hmm. when they have a moment where they just truly need to get themselves together and the sensory input is too much and it's just, you know, the sky is falling and my little person just needs a hug, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think for maybe a parent who is neurotypical, you know, when your child has a meltdown, that is so scary that, you know, I almost kind of, you know, sending some good vibes because that must be tough. You know, it, it must be tough to not be autistic and raise autistic children because there are times that I do feel as though I'm, it is a benefit because mm-hmm. I have it myself. So it's yeah. easier for me to relate and I've already kind of been through it and, you know, not all parents have that. So I definitely enjoy sharing what I know because I yeah. know it's helpful. It is. For sure. That was actually something I wanted to ask you because, so I don't know like what kind of therapies or, you know, things that you do with your kids. Um, yes. so, so we do ABA with Logan and it's been mm-hmm. honestly so beneficial for him. And also we've just been really lucky and have had a really great experience. 
Uh, yes. We do all in home. So he's here with us. We actually just this past weekend, we started like a social group at like um, a clinic that his the okay. company nice. runs. So that was like the first time we've been like anywhere outside of the home. And so I, I never really knew that a lot of people on the spectrum did not support ABA until it yes. kind of like started, like became a part of this community that I'm like, oh, people think that ABA is like really bad. <laughs> yeah. I had heard from uh, other parents that they were like, it's really intense. Like it didn't work for us, which I'm like, okay, totally like to each their own. Yes. Um, what is, what is your take on ABA? And if you would maybe like explain like why, why it kind of has a bad rap. Well, let's, let me think. (laughs) Maybe I, um, I think if anybody was to get on the computer and Google ABA from maybe a hundred to 200 years ago, depending on, you know, how they treated it, it was a very barbaric type. How do I say this gently without offending anyone or hurting anyone's feelings? (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, I guess basically back 80, 60, how, how, not 60 years, maybe like 80 to 100 years ago, you know, they really had no idea what autism was. Mm-hmm. And um, autistic children and adults were just kind of left in institutions. And a lot of the original ABA therapy was um, similar to like electric shock therapies and, you know, all those really, really scary things that you see in those old movies. Um So I think that ultimately is why ABA gets such a bad rap because it's kind of like transitioned into such a beautiful therapy, but Mm -hmm. it once was very, very dark for so many people. Um, The fundamentals of ABA. Yeah. So, I mean, I wish they had given it a new name (laughs) because (laughs) it is like a totally different situation now. Um, So I would think some people might not dig it because of that. I also think that um, as an autistic person, when you know, when you have ABA, it's it's basically teaching you to be, um, I don't want to say submissive. It's, it's teaching you to be more calm and more willing to listen to the person in front of you in order to create and complete tasks. Mm-hmm. So as a person, it's kind of like, if I was a seven-year-old autistic child, I might feel like, why are you telling me what to do? Mm-hmm. So I guess from a a perspective of maybe a lower functioning autistic, they might feel like, well, I don't want to do this and I'm nonverbal. So I can't tell you that I don't want to do this, but I really don't want to do this and you're making me do it. So I think that's probably why some younger people and some older autistics are like, ABA is not for me Mm -hmm. because it's almost like you're getting bossed around for an hour and told what to do. And when you're a preteen and you're already nonverbal, you might be like, what is this person sitting in front of me (laughs) telling me what to do? But I do think that ABA is extremely helpful. Um, We do also in-home with my son and it's, it's been a big help. Mm -hmm. So I just think it's got a bad rap. It's got a bad history. Mm -hmm. And I think if more people, you know, got to work with some of the awesome therapists that you and I have worked with, mm-hmm. they would totally feel as though ABA is like a saving grace. I that, I mean, that's how I feel. Like whenever I see these posts that are like, ABA is abusive. Like, I'm like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's just really teaching your child how to listen better. I, I, well, like, I feel. I mean, that that's totally part of it. But I, I mean, I feel like at least to me what I have seen in my son since we have started ABA therapy which we've 
we've been doing ABA now for um, like close to two years, a year and a half. And I mean, he, he, his, his level of functioning and I'm not even talking about like high, low functioning as an autistic person. I'm just talking about his level of functioning as a human being. Yes. It has gone from one to 10. Like he, yeah. he's able to awesome. understand. Yes. He's able to understand so much more of what is going on around him. Whereas before it was like, he honestly was just kind of floating and it yes. was. Yeah. I know what have, you mean by that. Yeah. He didn't have that, that grounding for me to say to him, like, you know, Logan, like I can say to him now, if he wants water, okay, go get your cup and he'll give it and he'll bring it to me. Whereas before it was like, he wanted water, but he didn't understand how, like if he, he wouldn't. How to even. Right. Exactly. It. So it's like, when you, when you look at just like the, the basics of, of what ABA does for, for children who really need it, really need help. It's, it honestly is such a beautiful thing. And I mean, I'm sure there are instances where it's not right for the person and totally, I get that. But for the ones that it is right for. Yeah, it works. Yes, <laughs> it it works. And it's, and he's happy. Like he, when his therapist went over, he runs into their arms and he hugs them and he's, he, yeah. he's like pulling them to, we have a, a little therapy room set up. He's literally like holding their hand, pulling them to the room because Aww, he enjoys so it. Funny. He has fun. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so interesting how you know, everybody just like sees things differently, but I did, I wanted to ask you about that because. <laughs> yeah, no, that is kind of like a hot topic. Yeah. It is kind of controversial. Um, You know, some people are for it. Some people like hate it. Oh you know, I've come across like, some people who are like really not for it. Oh and yeah. The only experiences I've ever had with it have been really positive. So I, I think you. don't knock it till you try it. <laughs> That's so true. Cause before, before we did ABA, I had met, um, I didn't, I really didn't have a whole lot of connection into like the autism circle and I, we weren't yes. diagnosed yet. So I had met like a few parents with kids in the spectrum and there was one that I like randomly came across like playing at a park one day and we were in the process. Uh, we were like waiting for Logan's appointment to get him diagnosed. And she was telling me how her son, he was wearing, my son was wearing his chewy. And she was like, oh, she's like, my son has one of those too. He's not wearing it. And I was like, oh, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, he, um, I, I don't think I said he had autism at that point because he wasn't diagnosed, but I was like, I'm like, yeah, I'm like, we're in the process of like getting a diagnosis. Yeah. And she was like, oh yeah. She's like, my son's already diagnosed. And I was like, oh my gosh. So then I'm like, jump on her immediately because I didn't yeah. have like, people to talk to. And I was like, do you guys do ABA? Like, what do you do? And she's like, we tried ABA. She's like, it was just not right for us. Like it was too intensive. He didn't like it. So then I was scared and I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, how, how are we going to work? Cause it is, I mean, it is an intensive program. You do a lot of hours during the week Yeah. and I'm like, how are we going to do this? Like, this is going to take over our lives. And I just, I didn't really know how it would work for us, but I was like, okay, we have to at least try it. Thank God we did. Because honestly, I don't know where we would be at this point if we didn't have ABA. Yeah, we, I've heard so many more success stories than than not enjoying the experience, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. I think some children are extremely sensitive who are on the spectrum, almost so that they feel things so much deeper than we do that yeah. it could almost be emotionally trying for them, you know. And if, and if that happens with that child, then maybe it's not right for them. But the majority yeah. of children who do it, they just thrive so much. Yes. Yeah. Now that, like I said, now that I'm kind of in, in this community, I, I have heard so many more success stories and I, I am 
an advocate for ABA and I will continue to be, I believe in it, but I also totally agree with what you just said too. If it's, if it's not right for your child, of course, we're not going to make them do it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, when, when you see, when you see how, how helpful it can be, you, you gotta just try it and see. Yeah. (laughs) Like we said earlier, like it's trial and error. Just give it a shot, you know, six weeks, see what happens. If you don't like it, move on. Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh my goodness. Well, I could just talk to you all day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Thank you so much again for coming on. I, I like, I, oh, you're welcome. I just think it was all an of, honor. yes, all of your insights just as a parent and as a person, I just think are incredible. Do you want to share how people can connect with you? Um, sure. Yeah. I am on Facebook at the unapologetic autistic and that's my page. And then I also have an Instagram and that's unapologetic underscore autistic. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to to doing more of these. If you're open, I'll definitely chat with you again. This was, I would this was love awesome. it. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, everybody go follow Brittany because she is like, Thank I, you. especially on Instagram, like I said, where I connected with you initially, I was just like, oh my gosh, I love how like funny and insightful and just, you kind of cover, you cover everything and it's wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, we keep it positive on my page. It's, it's yeah. really, you know, I, I said that in the beginning when we started, I, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to entertain any negativity and we really, really need to keep it positive and fresh and happy because you know what? It's not all sad. No, it's <laughs> Some not. Some of it is totally beautiful. And, and I think if we share more of the beauty of autism, that it would be accepted easier. And that's, that's the beginning of it. the acceptance is the most important part. So if absolutely. we make it sparkle, maybe it'll happen, you know? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you again. You have just been a joy to talk with. Thank you. Thank you. Will you take care? All right. Thanks, hon. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Brittany. Like I said, at the top of the show, I just found her her journey, her story to be so interesting and her perspective is so unique and I think very valuable, especially for, you know, parents like me or maybe you listening that you know, this, this whole world is, is new to us. And as someone who has the kind of experience of what it's like to be a person on the spectrum herself, um, I just thought it was really incredible to, to hear everything she had to say. And she had a lot of really wonderful insight that I really, really appreciate. So definitely go follow her. Like I said, she's so funny and lighthearted and just keeps it real but with a a fun edge to it. So I love that. Um, Yeah, so definitely go follow her at Unapologetic Autistic. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast, on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod, or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com. Again, I love hearing from you guys. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, please reach out. Or if you just want to chat, say hi. Either way, love to talk to you. Um, And again, if you are enjoying the show, please leave reviews on Apple Podcasts. It really helps others to find the show as well. So until next time, thanks. Take care.